Hey everybody, Rob here with the Debt Free Guru Program and we're here on another live episode. Today is September 19th, 2017. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, if you're joining us live, thank you so much. And if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, feel free to come back and check us out for future broadcasts and also check us out at the debtfreeguru.com for further blog posts and different information on how to just get under, get out from under debt and um, live a little bit more of a free life. So today's topic is why should we get out of the debt and why it's so harmful in today's society when everybody out there is uh, uh, quote unquote keeping up with the Joneses and uh, spending a ton of money that they don't have and you know just um, buying that new car every year and new TV, new shoes, whatever it may be, the latest and greatest. Um, so getting down to the facts of it, you know, debt in society for as long as we can remember has always been frowned upon. But it seems in the last 30, 40 years or so, debt has really become a tool for people who normally couldn't afford these things, uh, you know, up until probably about the 60s or 70s. People just didn't take out a lot of loans. Maybe you took out a, a, a mortgage uh, after World War II, the FHA came out, started helping people buy homes through an FHA program and encourage home ownership. But before that, the down payments were astronomical. I mean, 50% down um, in a lot of cases. And now you can buy a home, no money down or three and a half percent down and seller pays your closing costs. Uh, but out of all the debts, I think mortgages are the least concerning because at least you have an asset in most cases that goes up in value. And if you don't keep refinancing or taking lines of credit out, um, you know, the mortgage is the, the least of our concerns, but it's still debt. So at the end of the day, there's no such thing as really good debt. So, well, we'll get we'll get into good debt when you leverage into investment properties and so forth. But as far as the consumer is concerned, I don't feel that there's any good debt. Um, and a lot of the other big names out in the industry that are preaching being debt free, uh, they would they would say the same things that any type of debt is is negative on your life, your your lifestyle. Um, and, and you can make the objection that lifestyle is well a new car, a nice house, you know, nice clothes, nice TV, things like that that everybody out there strives for, but if you're slaving away every week just to break even on paying for those things, you know, is it really a lifestyle? Because your lifestyle is spent at the office or at the construction site or at the workplace just so you can come home a few hours a night and enjoy that TV, go to bed and do it all over again the next day and, you know, have 20 minutes of enjoyment to work, 20 minutes of enjoyment back in that car of yours. Uh, personally, I would rather have less new nice things and work a lot less and spend more time doing the things I enjoy. Uh, and there's a lot of things out there that you can do for free that, you know, are enjoyable. You know, free or, or very low cost. So, you know, it doesn't have to be jet setting around to the Bahamas every weekend or uh, flying around the world or going on cruises and so forth. I mean, people get plenty of entertainment out of just, you know, going to hang out with friends or going out taking a hike in the woods or, you know, going camping or fishing or something like that that, um, you know, and for you ladies out there, I mean, there's certainly things that women like to do as well. Uh, just, you know, not to be sexist or anything, but maybe knitting or, you know, going to the gym or yoga or Pilates or, you know, whatever it is that everybody likes to do. But, um, you know, these things don't cost a lot of money and they don't require you to spend your life at the office just to afford them. Uh, and that two weeks out of the year that you get for your vacation, you know, 40 years of working and you only get two weeks a year to enjoy yourself. Uh, that's I don't buy it. I just don't think that's the way we should live. And, 
you know, you really got to stop looking at everybody else and seeing what everybody else has as far as keeping up with the Joneses and uh, people look down on you because you don't have a modern car. You know what? You got to get over it. You know, today uh, there's a lot of peer pressure and it's not just in high school. I mean, it's all the way up through probably well into your 40s and 50s and when people really stop giving a crap. Uh, and even then there's a lot of people still stuck in that mentality that they got to have what their neighbor has or they don't fit in at the country club. So, but I mean, if you make the money and you can afford these things and they don't burden you, then, you know, by all means, they are luxuries. And if you make, you know, multiple six figures a year and you can pay cash for a new car every year and your house is paid for and you got the, the memberships everywhere, that's fine. You know, that's absolutely, that's what everybody strives to do. But selling yourself to, to basically come up with those things is, in my opinion, is not, not beneficial. Um, so, you know, getting back to the history of debt, you know, back in the medieval days or even in the days, the, the Bible days, you know, the, the debt was considered evil. Uh, in the Bible, it says that too. And I'm not a very religious person, but a lot of people are. And, uh, just back to those days, you know, if you borrowed money, you were the slave to the lender, you know, the borrower's debt and debt to the slave to the lender. And uh, and that's still the case today. You know, nowadays the, the the slave owner just happens to be Wells Fargo or Bank of America or Chase Bank or one of these big boys that um, are too big to fail, so to speak. And uh, we spend 40 hours a week plus working to pay for interest on things that we'll never get ahead on. And by the time you're done paying them off, it's time for a new one. So I, you know, if that doesn't resonate with anybody out there, then I, I think maybe you're on the wrong channel because this is about freeing yourself, freeing, um, getting out from under that oppression of the interest. Um, kind of like Albert Einstein once said that compound interest is the greatest force known to man, and it can either work for you or against you. So if you're saving your money in, um, you know, and I'm not going to give investment, investment advice on this podcast, but if you're putting your money into something making 7, 8, 10% a year, that compound interest is hugely powerful. And over the course of a lifetime, can can stack up to millions of dollars if you do it right. Um, conversely, if you put your money into things that cost you six, seven, eight percent in interest to own, those things are going to cost you millions of dollars <laughs> over the long run, so to speak, because not only are they going to keep you from saving that money and making the money on compound interest, but you're actually working that much harder for that car because not only do you have the car to pay for, you have the maintenance and the gas and the insurance and all that, but now you have the loan and the interest to pay for as well. So those cars become exponentially more money. That home, I mean, if you've ever looked at a um, truth and lending statement, if you've ever signed any type of contract to borrow money, a home will cost you two to three times what you're borrowing if you go the full 30 years. So a $100,000 home may cost you upwards of $300,000 over 30 years. That's pretty daunting, especially that in 30 years, there's a good chance that home may not even be worth the 300000 It may have only doubled in value or, you know, uh, maybe it's worth two hundred or two hundred fifty thousand dollars in thirty years. Maybe it's worth more. It depends on where you are, but still, you've paid for every penny of that versus just saving the money and putting a hundred thousand down and the next thirty years paying yourself back. Uh, that's you know interest to yourself, and then you can put the money that you would have put in a mortgage payment. You put that into some sort of high yield account. Uh, you know that hundred thousand dollar home is going to go up in value. You own it free and clear. And the money that you would have spent on interest on that mortgage is now compounding and maybe a million dollars by the time you retire. So you got to think of it that way. And, 
you know, maybe and a hundred thousand, I know doesn't get you a lot for a house in a lot of markets in the U S but maybe you can't afford a hundred thousand dollar house right now. And that's fine. Maybe you need to start out with something smaller. Maybe you need to, or buy a $60,000 house and get a roommate or rent out a room or, you know, um, significant other, you guys got to make decisions on how you can split the cost of that home and, and make it more affordable until you have some uh, money saved up. You have equity in that home that's gone up in value. Hopefully you sell it and you, you put the money down toward the next one and, and climb the property ladder. Nobody needs to buy a mansion their first go around. And I see, uh, I've been in the real estate business for 15 years and I see a lot of young couples that they look at their family homes, their, their parents' home and something that their parents and grandparents have worked their whole life to get into and they think they should have that in their late 20s. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, unless you make that money and that's fine if you're a doctor or an attorney and you're just getting getting your stride together and you could save up the money. But, you know, when you're 28 years old to buy a three, four, five hundred, eight hundred thousand dollar house, it's just not realistic. I mean, I get it that your parents live in that home and that's what you're accustomed to. But when you're starting out, it's it's just not where you need to be. And quite frankly, even if you had the money, um when you're 28 years old, I think there's other things that you could be doing with that money, like investing it toward retirement versus spending it all on, a, on one huge house that at that point becomes a liability. A lot of people think that homes are assets, but at the end of the day, if you stop working, you become disabled, those taxes are still due, the insurance is still due, the roof still is going to leak, the water heater is going to go out. I mean, there's things in a home that are going to cost money that it doesn't pay for itself. So you just need to think about okay, can I afford this on the long term? And sure, it's nice to have a mil- half a million dollar home now, but you know, when the taxes are 10,000 a year, the insurance is 3,000 a year, and uh, I can't keep up on the lawn because I got to work all the time. So I got to hire a gardener and then the roof leaks and that's $20,000. And you know, I got to paint the exterior because the HOA is on my butt about it. So there's another five, $6,000. And you know, these things just add up with home ownership that maybe renters aren't used to. So it's not just your monthly payment obligation, it's also the upkeep of that property. Otherwise, it's going to go in dis- disrepair and that $500,000 house is going to be worth three hundred dollars if you know, the roof is leaking and you got mold and um, weeds are growing up into, <laughs> into everything. So, um, you know, think, think about that. So uh, I guess my point is that just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean you necessarily need to spend it all. I think once you're fully funded in your retirement and you become self-sufficient, meaning that you have enough money to pay for a lifestyle that you're accustomed to. If you live modestly, you can, and you earn a lot of money, you can save that money in, again, high yield investments that passively pay you. And once you get to the point where you have enough money in your investments that passively pay for your lifestyle, you've become financially independent. And at that point, you can decide, okay, well, do I need to continue working or do I take it easy a little bit or do I, you know, just go another 10 years and then quit altogether or whatever you may want to do. But once you're financially independent, now your ownership, your items that you own, your debts and so forth don't own you anymore because your money's coming in passively. And that's, I think, what everybody needs to strive for is not getting in debt to get that car and that house and that big TV now. Sacrifice a little bit earn that money, however it may be, start a business, you know, uh, get good at your profession, set aside as much money as you can. I mean, 50% if possible and get that money set aside and live very modestly. You know, your friends may laugh at you, but if 
you live in a small apartment, you drive a beater car, you, you know, you wear your shoes for an extra year or so or until they fall apart. And, you know, as long as it doesn't affect your work performance, maybe you have to have some nice clothes for work. But when you're going out on the weekends, you don't need to have a Rolex and, you know, $5,000 necklace on and so forth and get a $50 haircut every week. Uh, these are just things that are frivolous. And if that money was invested, you can ultimately get out of the rat race that much sooner. And once you're out of the rat race, then you can decide, okay, now I can play. You know, now I have my lifestyle set and any money that I make here on out is my money to spend. I can blow it. So my, my passive money pays for my lifestyle or pays for my, uh, my needs. And then any money I earn, if I continue working, now I can go play and I can buy a nice car. I can, you know, invest in a nice home. Um, whatever it may be that you want to do, go on vacation four or five times a year, uh, buy a vacation home, whatever it is. At that point, you have enough money in your assets column to bring in enough to sustain your lifestyle. Or some people continue, obviously, working and, and saving and investing and nothing's ever enough. But in my opinion, the goal is to get to that passive income point as quickly as possible so that you can kind of go on autopilot and hopefully you can do that by the time you're in your 40s, you know, maybe even 50s and, and, and cruise. You know, a lot of people go and they work until 67, 70 years old and even then they're just scraping by because they're paying for all the bad mistakes they made in their 20s, 30s and 40s. So don't be that person and uh, strive to be debt free. I mean, I think that's the number one goal for everybody that's listening to this channel and I, and I want to get the word out to as many people as possible that being debt free is it shouldn't be looked down upon. I mean, this this should be what people aspire to. I think we should teach this in schools. I think kids are not educated as far as what debt is, especially with student loans. I mean, don't get me started. That'll be a whole nother podcast. But um, get out of debt, stay out of debt. Don't even get into debt. You know, scrimp and save and use coupons and do whatever you got to do just to get by in the beginning. And uh, you'll, you'll definitely pay the dividends later. So uh, hopefully that was a good episode for this uh, this week, and I'll put together some more good stuff next week. I definitely want you guys to check out the blog at uh, www.thedebtfreeguru.com, and uh, like and subscribe to the podcast here, and uh, you know follow us online and um, Facebook as well. We have the debtfreeguru.com um, Facebook page, so definitely become a follower there and um, stay up to tune, uh, in tune with everything that we have putting out right now. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you on the next one.